welcome to Living Water Radio. President Biden has presented his goals that everyone who wants a vaccine will be able to get one by May 1st, about seven weeks from now, and that we should be pretty much back to normal, or at least getting close to the new normal by the 4th of July, or about 16 weeks from now. We have a long way to go before we get close to the new normal, but now is the time to prepare. Today I want to talk about four ways that the new normal will be small, and the one way that our smallness will make us large. My name is Pastor David Burkadal. My wife, Rev. Sally Welch, is co-producing this podcast. Sally is a United Church of Christ slash Christian Church Disciples of Christ ordained minister focusing on ecumenical and interfaith ministry. I served Lutheran Christian congregations in Compton, California, and in San Dimas, California, for over 40 years. Today, maintaining our yard is my gym, and I'm active as a volunteer in the leadership of the 114 Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregations in our area. Check out our first Living Water radio podcast, number zero, Welcome and Introduction, for more information about us and this podcast. Daylight saving time changed yesterday. That's daylight saving time, by the way, not daylight savings time if you want to be annoying. Daylight saving time was not begun to give farmers extra time to work in the fields. It was done to save energy just after World War II. As another fact you can share to make yourself extra annoying. Either way, it's like the probably apocryphal and unnamed Native American chief is said to have said, Only the white man could believe that if you cut one end off a blanket and sew it onto the other end, that you make a longer blanket. And if you're you're thinking that we in California voted to do away with daylight saving time in 2018, you're right. That proposition is yet to be approved by our state legislature, and if it's approved, the resolution goes to Congress. I guess those things take time. Sally and I have both had our shots, and two weeks have gone by. But I think about the story they told us in Boy Scouts about the park ranger who got shots to make himself immune to poison ivy. It took six months, but he finished the course, and when he was out with a group of other park rangers and they came across a patch of poison ivy, he wanted to shock them. He took off his clothes and rolled around in it. And they were shocked. But it turned out that the shots were not 100% effective. He broke out in a blistered rash from head to toe. None of the vaccines claim 100% effectiveness. We still need to be vigilant, at least until we have herd immunity, which will take at least until July. Then the current wisdom, and I want to emphasize current, as I understand it, is that we could get the coronavirus, but it will be more like a flu than a deadly disease, and we are very unlikely to be an asymptomatic carrier. Carrier, But we're getting close to the new normal, and now is the time to start imagining what it will be for the church in general, and our churches in particular, and to be preparing for it. I serve on several boards and committees for our synod, a group of about 110 ELCA churches in the Los Angeles, Kern, San Luis Obispo, Santa Barbara, and Ventura counties, And I've been thinking about that a lot. I've done our videos, blogs, podcasts about aspects of the new normal that I think is coming. Today we're going to talk about a little part of what I think will be the new normal and why I think a big part of it is going to be small. The small normal will not be new at all. 
We've gotten used to living in small groups at home or even all alone. Working in small groups or more commonly in home-based virtual communities has become commonplace. Committee meetings take place with Zoom or something like it on our digital devices. Learning from videos and in Zoom environments in our own homes has become the norm. We don't have to be in the same room. We don't have to be in any room to meet together virtually. I regularly see people taking part in meetings while driving in their cars. Here are four ways in which I think that we will be seeing the small normal in the church. First, in the new normal, small will be the norm. Even before the pandemic, small groups like Bible studies, choirs, and Sunday school classes were commonplace in most churches. What will be new will be the purposes for which small groups are structured. That will change. Congregations will not see themselves as one group, but as many small, diverse groups. People looking for a church will not be looking for a chance to be anonymous. They will gravitate to smaller churches and smaller groups. We have been starved for community and meaningful, sustainable relationships. Large gatherings, unless they are in fact composed of many small gatherings, will not provide this. Jesus preached to large crowds, but he did not require large crowds for him to be present. In Matthew chapter 18, beginning at the 19th verse, we read Jesus saying, Again, truly I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. To be gathered in Jesus' name is not to use the name of Jesus as a magic word. It means to be gathered in his reality, in his true presence. And that only requires two people for a gathering. I think that is because two is the minimum number of people needed for a relationship. Like the HOV lane on on the freeway, the high-occupancy vehicle lane, two is the smallest number greater than one, but that's considered high-occupancy. Two are necessary. Small groups provide an opportunity for the personal relationships in which people can get immediate feedback on their questions and challenges in life. They are a place where our relationship with God can be immediate and nourishing in our relationship with other believers, where people can be trained and developed as leaders and mentors. Small groups make our churches nimble. They provide the opportunities for a diverse people to find diverse expressions of God's presence and call in their lives, both separately and together. Not that they can't get off track. I remember a colleague sharing an experience of when she had taken a call to a church in a small town in Kansas. She attended one of their Bible study groups where they pretty much burned through the prefab lesson for the day and got down to their real purpose, coffee drinking and talking about members of the congregation. One of them mentioned that a teenage girl was pregnant and unmarried. The pastor was asked if she was going to do what pastor whatever would do and make her stand in front of the congregation and confess her sin. The new pastor said that she would think about that and The next time the group gathered, the new pastor said, I've looked through the church records, and it looks like about once a generation a girl gets pregnant without being married. I think having them get up in front of the congregation is a good idea. But before we do that, I want to call the congregation's attention to a much more common sin around here, and that's the sin of gossip. I think those who gossip should stand in front of the congregation and confess their sins. 
All the participants looked down and stared into their coffee cups. Finally, one lifted their head and said, there wouldn't be time. Small groups that are faithful to their core beliefs and call to evangelize will grow. Everything that's healthy grows and reproduces. Every once in a while, the group will split. There will be no need for large buildings that are rarely used, but access to occasional sites uh, will be necessary. And if raves can do it, why can't the church? We will need locations of community, particularly after this pandemic. Second, small groups will be a place for the new congregations of people that we will find in the new normal. Last time I talked about what had been lost, but we have also gained. People have had a year for greater introspection. We have lived to a greater degree apart from physical community, at least most of us have, than we ever have before. Some will have been drawn closer to God through this experience by the presence of God, and some will have been drawn farther away by the cares of this world. As we gather again for physically present worship, we will see a different congregation than the one we remember from a year ago. Small groups will be the means by which to bring new and old members to discipleship, where more seasoned members can talk about their lives in Christ and all can ground or reground themselves in another way of being the body of Christ. These groups will allow first-generation Christians to develop a fresh start along with everyone else in the congregation. We will see ourselves not only as the body with lots of cells, but as fresh organs and systems each gifted with what we need to serve our function together in the one body of Christ. Third, the purposes for which small groups are structured will change. This will primarily require a change in attitude. Small groups will not be structured for the people that are in them, but for the people who are not in them yet. They will be assembled with the expectation that they will grow. A portion of every gathering will focus on how people are sharing their faith in such a way that people come to a living relationship with the one true living God, that is, lives of faith, and what they need to grow as evangelists. I think a lot lot about why most of the churches that I know are so indifferent to doing evangelism. Why do so many of us have so little expectation that unless someone is raised in our kind of Christian culture, something we see less and less, They will not come to actual faith. I don't mean joining a church, but coming to an actual life of faith. Why do we offer modeling but not mentoring? Why do we provide no training for evangelism or have any expectation that people will share their faith and no mechanism for receiving people who are new to the Christian life, whatever their chronological age, and are nourished and trained to live a mature, productive Christian life? Where do people go when they are looking for something that truly is awesome, where they can ask questions of people they respect, where people are rooted to the living reality of what they speak and not as a social service agency that uses religious language and once meaningful traditions? Small groups will be structured to change all those things, to be better because we are better in the power of the Holy Spirit, the streams of living water. Fourth, I think that when most people express their preference for traditional worship or the traditional church, they are speaking of the ways, way things were when they were growing up and or when they were new Christians. 
I don't think virtual participation in committee meetings, education, or worship is going to go away anytime soon. These will not be just a temporary second-best alternative, but the preferred method for gathering by younger people, people with economic or environmental or mobility issues about personal transportation, and people who are excited by technological solutions. I've read about churches that have been established entirely online, where its members have never seen each other at worship except in a Zoom or something like a Zoom setting. Large worship buildings have become dead weight around the necks of sometimes shrinking and aging congregations that remain open in order to maintain a collegial group of like-minded people, often expressed as a family, preserve traditions, and do some community service without actually inviting the community to know Jesus. The digital life of our churches will at least be a part, and in some cases the most vital part, of most congregations' ministries. Finally, our smallness is our largeness. Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew, the fifth chapter, starting at the 13th verse, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And a few chapters later, in the 13th chapter, the 31st verse, Jesus says, He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. We are salt and light and leaven. Our effectiveness comes from our character, not our size. It's been said that the good news of Jesus Christ does not call us to be successful. It calls us to be faithful. The pastors and congregations who said that, in my experience, though, were not successful as evangelists, that is, growing, that statement was more of a rationalization than a statement of faith. We are called to be faithful evangelists. Our success is from the Holy Spirit at work among us. The Holy Spirit will be the glue that holds us together in the small normal, largely because that is the only thing that we will have. It is the streams of living water that push and form us and give us what we need to live. It is the only thing that the church needs. The future of the church is the small normal, but our smallness makes us mighty. The quality of our character comes entirely from the formation of God. Today, let's remember to pray for those who are financially struggling, for the most vulnerable among us, and for those who feel insecurities of any kind. And let's remember to pray the Lord's Prayer today, the one that Jesus taught us. If you don't know what that is, contact us at therevsdavidandsally at gmail.com or send us a tweet to at David Burkadal and we'll send it to you. Send your prayer requests to the same addresses and we'll include them next time. Send your comments there as well. 
As always, we encourage you to stay hydrated. Open your heart to receive the living water from the source, God's self, the living presence of the one true living God, the God who gave himself on the cross so that all who believe and are baptized might be restored to the living relationship with the living God for which we were created. Remember your church? Identify one if you don't already have one. Ask a friend about it or a family member. Google it or contact the pastor. When you have a church, go to or tune in to the worship services they have available and support your church financially so that it will be there when we come back to fully physically present worship together. Support your pastor and church leaders. Pray for them and help them in any way that you can. If you or a loved one are having thoughts of suicide or are struggling with mental health issues, call somebody or encourage your loved one to call somebody. Google a local or national hotline. Reach out. You are not alone. Wear a mask when you're outside your home, practice social distancing, wash or sanitize your hands regularly. Stay at home unless you are providing essential services or need them. Avoid crowds and be outside if you have to be in a crowd. Be kind to everyone you come into contact with, especially those who are sacrificing their security to provide for yours. Thank you for listening to Living Water Radio. We are here for Christians and for the people of the Los Angeles metropolitan area who are looking for a sense of Christian community, a source of hope, and a way to thrive together during this global pandemic. We hope you'll tune in next time and invite your friends to do the same. Meanwhile, Sally and I encourage you to open your hearts to receive living water, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and stay hydrated.